Hello everybody, this is Sam. Just a quick explainer for what this episode is and for a few episodes coming up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, before we were the Brenton Thwaites Hour, we were doing another series called Craigslist, where we watched and reviewed the entire filmography and TVography of the one and only Daniel Craig. And obviously we're very excited at the moment as we are about to be able to watch No Time to Die after... Meant after many, many months of frantic anticipation. And so in celebration of that, we've decided to unlock the final Patreon episodes that have not previously been heard by the general public. We had a Patreon account back when we were doing that series, and on there we were putting his TV appearances and some of his uh, lesser-known, not theatrically released performances. So feel free to skip these ones if it's not what you're into. Um, we will be doing our weekly Brenton Thwaites episodes still as well. But uh, if you want to hear Isaac and I talk shit about some fairly random pieces of media, but which do feature Daniel Craig, then uh, please enjoy. I think we've got about eight of these to uh, release over the next couple of weeks. So uh, that's what's going to be going on there. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy. Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's. One of vodka. Half a measure of quinoa lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, Remember that internet thing a few years ago mm-hmm. like, where they did six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Uh, yes. And you could type in somebody's name and see how many degrees they are away from Kevin Bacon? Yes. And it's usually six or less, as I recall. Yeah. Where do you reckon Daniel Craig is right now? What, as in degrees from Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Probably one. One? Yeah, they're all all those Hollywood types. What has he been in with, with what, Kevin Bacon? What, count, what, what counts as being one degree? Well, I think one degree is working with Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. I thought you had to have met him. No, I, I think the the website worked as if they were in a film together. Right. Oh, okay. Probably It had definitely two, two. He's definitely two worked three. with at least one person who's worked yeah. with Is it, is it still Bacon. up? Yeah, probably. What do you reckon our Bacon number is with Daniel Craig? Uh, well, we've worked with Daniel Craig. Not directly, but we've... We've done work here. So Daniel Craig's bacon number with us would be one. Yes, we're one to him. But he has never worked with us. So our bacon number to him would still be six. Because there'd be levels of people before we meet Daniel Craig. Well, I I think, like, functionally we have met him. You know, (laughs) that's what I would say. Okay. So I think, no, it's our, our bacon number to him is one. His to us might be more. Yeah. Because he hasn't, we've worked with him, he hasn't worked with us, you know. Yes. It's been a ultimately quite one-way relationship. Yeah, that he probably is unaware of at the moment. Yeah. Per, like, in a way, I kind of hope he is as well, strangely. I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Yeah. Like, if he's if he's listening, hey, man, he, these are great chats. So, uh, but his, But also, sorry. <laughs> okay, the oracleofbacon.org is still up. Which seems to be doing the same thing. It cannot find Daniel. <laughs> really? Oh no! Wait, no, wrong. There he is. 
He has a Baker number of two. Nice. Who do you work with? He was in Layer Cake with Jason Fleming, who was in X Men First Class. Everyone was in X Men First Class. <laughs> yeah. Cool. This is brilliant. Put somebody in. Who'd you search? Ben Wishaw. <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> Mary Poppins Returns with Meryl Streep, who was in The River Wild with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Judy Dench, two. Because she was in The World's Not Enough with Denise Richards, who was in Wild Things with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, who's someone who's only been in a Bond film with him? Rami Malek, two. Oh, Larry Crown with Tom Hanks, who was in Apollo 13. <laughs> with Kevin Bacon. With Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Leah Sadu, two. <laughs> um, I think once you'd be a successful actor, two is the most. You can't you get, get beyond to. two. Yeah. Someone must be more than two. Once you succeed. Try Brenton. Two. <laughs> Brenton Thwaites has two. He was Maleficent with Juno Temple, who was oh, in Black Mass yeah. with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Christoph Waltz is two. Daniel Radcliffe. Two. Daniel Radcliffe is always going to be two. Who isn't in Harry Potter? Yeah, I guess. Timothy Dalton's two. Oh, older actors. Yeah, I'm going the other way now. Okay. Dinah Rigg is two. This is. I've got to find someone now who's more than two. Or thrilling I will, listening. Or I will. Yeah. No. OJ Simpson. In. Graham Norton. Oh, he's been on the show. Toby Jones. One. <laughs> he's worked with. Kevin. Both in Frost Nixon. I like that he was the first person you went to after Graham Norton because that's what I thought of as well. <laughs> I'm just looking at the list here. <laughs> no. Nick Frost. Two. Everyone, everyone is two. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It, this it can't be everyone. Bacon numbers higher than four are very rare. Mary Pickford has a bacon number of three. Oh, it just feels good to see it. Yeah. Char- like actors from EastEnders are in the are in the system. And things like Days of Our Lives are in the system. So those actors quite often have a Baker number of three because somebody leaves the series to do films and therefore becomes joins a Baker number of two level. This is... I, I hate this. <laughs> I don't know why this is... <laughs> okay, never mind. Hello, Patreon, I guess. Welcome. Hello, Patreon. No rules. I'm no sorry rules. that you had to listen to what you just listened to. Yeah, sorry about the, the, the Kevin Bacon thing. Um, I'm going to have to... I, I'm I very worried about how much of my future is now going to be spent trying to find the high, 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 the high, high Bacon, Bacon numbers. numbers. I'm going to have to put myself in or something. Well, I don't know if it takes it from IMDb or where it gets the system from. Yeah, it must be something like that. It would have to be yeah. drawn from an already massive database like that. Yeah. I'm how. hoping it's IMDb because there are so many people on IMDb. You could definitely search anyway, someone. Yeah. Any, anyway, 
in a very real sense, anyway. <laughs> what did we watch today? People, people who've been in Daniel Craig's like TV stuff. One of their names. If it's pulling from IMDb, it should have them. And then they would have to be above a two because they just have Daniel Craig and then he's a two. Today, so we're, welcome, welcome to our latest bonus Patreon episode. As you can tell, they're fun and interesting and <laughs> much better than... These, these are the premium episodes. This is premium content you've got here. This is where we really put in a bit more effort, pull out all the stops, and just provide the highest level of Daniel Craig commentary that you're probably going to find anywhere on the World Wide Web. You, I think you'll find the most of it. Like you'll find most of us, yeah, on the World Wide Web, just talking about Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. But this is the best of that. This oh, is this is the cream yes. of the crop. Mm. This is the most prepared I think we've ever the been. Available Daniel Craig discussions, and today we are talking about the uh, 1998 film made for television through the uh, British Film institute and through bbc primarily love is the devil colon study for a portrait of francis bacon now i was getting confused by this for a long time because i was getting it confused with the philosopher francis bacon who died in 1626 Oh, okay. So for a long it's time, it's not about that. Guy. It's not about that. This is a different Francis Bacon. Yeah. This is the painter. This is probably a less good film type version, Francis Bacon. I want to get things started by saying I fucking hate this movie. Okay. All right. So pretty. So pretty. Pretty strong. Pretty strong opinion coming from from your side over there. Um. Okay. All right. Did you like that's, this? That's, Sam? That, that's a that's a difficult place to build a dialogue from. Yeah, yeah, well, not if you liked it. Or did you also hate it? I didn't hate it. <laughs> and it's some... Uh, my position with this film is that I'm very interested in its subject matter and the and aspects of the world and kind of the art it is about. And as I've sort of learned more as about the logics used by the people making the film, my opinion of it has softened somewhat from what I must admit was an initial quite strong distaste. So if that, so that and I know that is sort of damning with faint praise, but <laughs> I, 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 I hold no hate in my heart okay. for love is the devil, cold and portrait of a study of an artist of Francis of Bacon. You don't hate the title? I, the, the, the title is confusing. Uh-huh. And it is not that, doesn't feel that related to mm-hmm. the, the, the subject matter of the film. But I think, I think this is a film where if you're into this kind of thing, and if you kind of know what you're going into when you go into it, mm-hmm. I can see, I can understand why people really liked it. You know what I mean? I know where you're coming from. Because this is very much not your kind of thing. It's very much not a human kind of thing, yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more on the fence about it. <laughs> so this 
written directed by John Mabry, uh-huh. who we have covered before as the director of The Jacket. So he's a part of this sort of group, as far as I can tell, like British filmmakers that kind of came out of the late 80s, early 90s from doing a lot of music videos and commercials and things like that and hasn't done a huge amount. He did this, as we know, sort of nearly 10 years down the, or eight years down the track, he got brought over to America by George Clooney's production company as a sort of intentional effort to get these sort of avant-garde filmmakers to get to be put on sort of bigger studio projects to sort of see what would happen. And I think he can, he's got he's got a very strong, he's got a strong voice that I think really carries, you can see it, you can see lots of the same sort of tech techniques and a- approaches in both of these movies, which I think works better for what he is trying to do here and just didn't mesh very well with what the jacket fundamentally was in its DNA. I the sort of interpretive aspects of the way it's presented. I guess I think the jacket is much more pleasant to look at. Uh, yeah, I would I would say the jacket is overall a better film than this. Yeah, but as always, there's there's what a film is. There's what a film could have been. There's but what this a isn't film about what it could have been. There's a f- what there's what a film is trying to be, and all of those have different levels of sort of value to them. So it's a it's about the art the painter Francis Bacon. So one of the biggest, definitely one of the most significant British painters of the last century. Mm-hmm. And the film is sort of bookended by his uh, this exhibition in Paris where I forget where where it is. It's some particular gallery and it's sort of the first time an English painter was yeah, displayed like there the since grand, Turner. The grand something in Paris. Yeah. And no one's had their paintings done there from Britain for a long time. Yeah, so that's, you know... The, the grand sum. Things are always called stuff like that in Paris. Yes, they are. And the focus of the film is primarily around his relationship with George Dyer, who was someone he sort of plucked off the street almost. And they about had his very... very poorly described relationship with George Dyer, where they don't really talk about the relationship at all. Things are not talked about explicitly in this film pretty much ever. Not once do they kiss. Which is... Uh, no. And so they had a sort of long, sort of torturous, romantic, sexual relationship, uh, which, so spoiler alert, for Love is the Devil, Colin studied for a portrait of Francis of Bacon. <laughs> but George Dyer ultimately died in the context of heavy sort of prescription drug and alcohol use, so unclear to what degree he might have died by suicide or not. But his death is sort of the end of this film, and the film is about their relationship. And so even though it's Francis Bacon is in the title, obviously all the marketing of it since then has very heavily emphasised Daniel Craig as much more the draw for this film and probably (laughs) the draw of any ongoing DVD sales it has. And, yeah, you really could go either way on who you say is the main character of the quote-unquote story it presents as whether it's Francis or George. And it's very, uh, what I believe people call in the film world, artsy. <laughs> and mm, yeah. in t- and sort of in, in interpretive and um, kind of 
holding hold, holding back from just illustrating the story of the relationship between these two men which i can see how they they and other people have considered it as a strength i think overall that's a weakness because the story of their relationship and the story of francis bacon is very inherently interesting and compelling it could have made a compelling film and if you just put that on screen it's going to be very uh, very engaging yeah but it's and another one of those ones where it's i think it's assuming the audience already has a pretty good working knowledge of who the characters are and what happened and so you can go with the filmmaker on this more sort of flighty journey through these events but if you've if you've this is your first contact with any of these people it does get difficult to figure out what's going on and it just feels like there's these all these disjunctures in the plot yeah where they're sort of you feel like for the if this is a story we're missing scenes or there's scenes we don't need and it's a bit unfocused but i call everything unfocused i've realized well, that sucks very few things are focused apparently in my opinion <laughs> i feel as though every single character in the film is a douche that is part of the problem to the point of it's unpleasant yeah. how fucked up they all are to each other and yeah with the exception of probably george dyer with the exception very... of daniel craig's character and maybe his friends at the yeah. start like they apparently he's openly gay to his mates in the 70s and they're all super cool about it yeah well i think he he, he is eventually so at the beginning he says I'll, I'll work for him i'll just sort of help him out and we do whatever but yeah, and then they yeah. sort of like warn him against these sort of people. They're mm. nice friends. They yeah. care about their George. Yeah, the Daniel Craig in this film. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's performance is great because it's Daniel Craig. It's very good, Craig. It's under uh, un, underwritten and inconsistently Nobody written. Nobody but... else has good stuff. I think no one else is given good stuff to do or I think to say. So Derek Jacob is in the main role, and I think he is doing a fine performance, but he is he's kind of doing the same thing over and over again yep. in kind of each scene. I don't think his character develops at all. It starts out one way, and he finishes the same way, just mm. sad because something has happened, and you don't even get to see him be sad. You just watch it. You don't get to, like, he Go doesn't say anything. Yeah. yeah. It's not... Yeah, I think... Like, you don't get to know who this person is. You just get glimpses of an occurrence that happens at several points of what this person is doing. You don't get to know who George is. You just get to see glimpses of, like, no one... It doesn't let you in on what the story is. Yeah, it it doesn't let you in. It also doesn't narratively tell you what's going on. You're just supposed to find that from the dialogue. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, it doesn't let you into the story very much. And it's quite, it's it's more of a, it feels more like a, a montage at a lot of points where you're sort of getting these little vignettes of scenes yeah. that f- seem to sort of fade fade to black at sort of unusual moments where what's going on in the scene isn't resolved and then you sort of fade in somewhere else and it's unclear how much time has gone by. And so it's more, it's like, it's very sort of artistic rather to, than a feature movie. Yeah. To me, it feels like a play that 
third year theater students would have written people who aren't studying acting they're studying theater mm. and they write their art house play that they've put on for their teachers and other fellow students about the life of Francis Bacon and they take these scenes out of them and put these on and everyone is supposed to get the story from these little tiny scenes but you don't and it's just spotlights all over the exactly. stage and stuff and somebody yeah. yells for one scene for no reason fire <laughs> anger yeah rage yeah <laughs> and now we're, and now we're going to be the painting and we'll exactly yeah see yes john, that's what it feels like john, john mabry writer director interesting chap not yeah not someone whose work i in, inherently warm to it must be said <laughs> but what <laughs> <Love it. laughs> i'm you know i'm being I'm being charitable here. Um, <laughs> interestingly, um, Craig Trivia was in a relationship with Bailey Walsh, the guy who directed Flashbacks of a Fool, for ages. So the directors were together for a long time. Yeah. So Craig, I think, has been friends with both of them. Oh, well, that's cool. So he was friends with John Mabry, too. That's why he got called in to do the jacket. And that's why when Bailey Walsh was doing Flashbacks of the Fool, Daniel Craig had a big sort of personal investment in doing that. Um. Cinematographer John Matheson, who has been the cinematographer for sort of all of Ridley Scott's films. You can not tell at all. I'll just pull up because this is crazy. Yeah, so the cinematographer of this is the cinematographer for Gladiator, The Phantom of the Opera, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, X-Men First Class... The Man from Uncle, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Logan, and Detective Pikachu. <laughs> so he's gone on to great things after Love is the Devil. <laughs> and yeah, John Mabry, I think, is... I mean, this was very well received, ultimately. It was very well reviewed at the time. It got three awards at the Edinburgh International Film Festival. It got some kind of award at Cannes. For something, I'm not entirely sure what. Daniel Craig won an acting award for it. This Daniel Craig got got an acting award. This is referred to by some as his breakthrough role. Those people are wrong. Are I mean, are the canon of our podcast is that our friends in the North is his primary breakthrough role. It took place before this. It did take and place it already this. showed that he is a fantastic actor. Yep, yep. So. That's uh, I think that's trying to assign probably a bit more significance to this than, than than is warranted. But what am I trying to say here? That you didn't enjoy it. I think <laughs> I respect parts of what John Mabry is is trying to do, and there's vi- and there's lots of visuals going on in this movie that I think are really cool. But you only get if you know some of the background story, and if you know something about Francis Bacon's art as well so interestingly they couldn't reach an agreement with the estate of francis bacon and so they weren't allowed to show any of his paintings in the film which you think would be a problem and it probably ultimately is i think if you could i think so too if to be because again as a viewer if you don't know what francis bacon's art is like a lot of this film is about sort of evoking the experiences and 
attitudes that sort of went into the creation of this art, which I personally, having looked into a bit since watching this film, have, have seen some of before, but I really liked. It's these very sort of tortured, sort of gruesome figures. It's sort of the profound and the horrific sort of bound up together. Uh, a, he is Christopher Nolan's favourite artist, Francis Bacon, and he referred to some of his paintings when he was working with the makeup designers on Heath Ledger's Joker. Sort of work on the way the makeup is, like you can sort of see through the makeup and you see it running and smudging and things like that. And apparently was fed, and they fed in some way into the creative process to design the alien for aliens as well. There's one triptych, one of the set of three paintings, which is the which he did way before this film takes place in like the 40s, which is titled, I think, Three Figures at the Foot of the Crucifixion. And you can kind of see how these sort of tortured like mouths on the end of appendages and things sort of. So there's quite a lot of, he's been used for inspiration in different sort of filmmaking endeavors in very significant ones down the line. So I find that all quite interesting. And there's different parts of this film. So we don't need to go through the, plot quote unquote with this there's different so i think we'll we'll just talk about it generally and pick different things out as we go but they there's different parts of the movie that are recreating things that are in his paintings and when the position that daniel craig is in when he dies at the end of the movie that's from a painting the same position that that he that he did and so they're sort of Interpretive representation of the bathroom as that sort of red cage is yeah. also derived from those those paintings as well. So no, if you know all that going in, that makes it a richer the experience. Clean, the cleaner scenes like that one where they have the, the toilet and the red bars around the cage hmm. to build the bathroom or when he falls on the floor in the one single spotlight and it zooms out. Yeah. The clean shots like that where they're very art house and very different... Well, I, think, I feel as though they're the better parts of the film, but yeah. they don't do anything narratively to to get you into a story. They're just shown. They're very. They're just film clip stuff. And it feels like it's clear what you're meant to be taking from that exactly. moment in and of itself. But, but where when, it fits in the wider story isn't that. When clear. they do an entire scene in a bar, two minutes into your film, where characters are acting like dickheads to each other and talking like dickheads but you film the entire thing through bottles. Yeah, drunkovision is what they call that. Uh-huh. That's just unnerving and uncomfortable for that amount of time. You, st- If you wanted yeah. to hint at, say, yes, people's faces are ob- obviously screwed up a lot in his paintings, do that for the first minute or so of your scene, but then come out and let us meet your characters. Yes, I think, yeah, that does stop us from being able... Like, Tilda Swinton is in this, and you can't see her at any point. There's... See, yeah, the Drunko Vision stuff, and there's stuff later where they are... um, They're eating seafood at a lunch, and they have these oysters, and they're... And he's got this camera... faces and stuff. Yeah, and that's a camera that's normally used to film, like, insects and things for nature documentaries. So that's why it's able to get that massively high resolution on the food in the foreground, Mm. and they're sort of eating unsettlingly at the back. So, you know, there's lots of Hotel Splendid vibes running through this. And again, I think it's intentional, but... Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good one. It is sort of uh, like music clip stuff. I think there's a music video sensibility running through this feature-length movie that 
Yeah, it's 87 minutes long. That doesn't, that, that stops the story from being able to develop the way it needs to develop. So I, in and of themselves, I like all those techniques as intentionally creating a world that's uncomfortable and contorted in the way some of his art is. But you need, I think there needs to be more clear choices about when to use that and what it's saying where it's being used. Because I think they also made the decision of, okay, we can't use any of his art, so let's try and depict his art through the lens of the camera by filming the world in that in that way. So then what we're saying is we're showing you, I guess this is maybe the world, the way he he saw it sometimes. But if he sees it like that all the time, then it doesn't mean anything. No. And what I would maybe try and do is figure out what his emotional arc is through the, bring it back, give him an emotional arc through the film <laughs> and then have the the degree to which the world is seen that way ebb and flow in response to where he is. Yeah. But if you have, if you want to make it sort of as a single arc of his relationship with George Dyer, it's nice, gets worse, deteriorates, well, suicide. Deteriorate into those things. Yeah. Have the visuals become more contorted as their relationship becomes more contorted. Yeah. And it doesn't work like historically per se, because he's already painting that way before he meets George Dyer. But that doesn't matter. But for just a film. use that. That's you how that you as a use those. Device. Use those. Yeah. Use it as a film device. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that we we have Drunker Vision straight up, we and then there's those close ups later on, and it's. And then also Daniel uh, George Dyer is having his sort of dreams and his nightmares and is envisioning himself uh, sort of with all his skin flayed off on a diving board and stuff. That's a recreation of another painting. Mm. But the, doesn't, the architecture of it doesn't link together that well f- for me because now George Dyer is dreaming things that Francis Bacon paints. And I know it's not meant to be one-to-one like that, but... Yeah. What, what all these visions and ideas and visual disturbances mean in terms of the journey of the characters doesn't doesn't link up it's for not me. explained the journey of the characters isn't explained it's just you went I think you're meant to just sort of drift through this as a Which without is... without trying to in a kind of tree of lifey way <laughs> <laughs> without which is a shame. Because you've got these powerhouse actors doing powerhouse performances, basically, and you've got an incredibly emotional story. It could have been very intense to watch, mm. but the, the the emotional part, or the the more affecting part of seeing George come into a world that he's not comfortable with, mm. with these people who think they're better than everybody else, yeah, and trying to fit in, but just being ignored by all of them. That is that is a story I want to see, and Daniel Craig mm. would be fantastic in that story. Like it would yeah. have been so good, and he's clearly doing stuff to that mm. to that angle. Yeah, but we don't get to see it because it just skips to the next bit where it's mm. six months down the line, and now he's still addicted to shit, and yeah, it's and, getting worse, and then he dies. And you get hints of the struggle that George Dyer is is having, where of being the subject of his paintings and not and like the struggle of being the subject of great art should be part of this it should story. be but also the decision to paint him is never mentioned it's yeah, just you, later on he's like 
but you're painting me. And he's and like, yeah, I know. You don't, do you see him paint him? Nope. Even? See that? You, the, the scene you see him paint is he puts the, the only time he paints in the film mm. is he puts the lid of a trash can against the thing, draws a circle around it, then mm. gets angry at that circle and scribbles yeah. over it and runs away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, you know, fundamentally, Derek Jacoby can't paint. So that's part of the problem. But yeah, the, <laughs> and, you know, all these themes are just are there as low hanging fruit to be taken of the what it means to be depicted in that way. There's Francis Bacon talks in interviews about with art, you're trying to trap reality on, on the page. You're trying to come at it from this sort of oblique angle and you he's trying to his art is in my very vague understanding, is trying to be as sort of immediate as possible in its depiction of live as a sort of fluid and contingent mass so it's sort of anti-idealism basically yeah and and so th- that should feed into the conflicts that george is having quite directly of feeling trapped through these depictions of him that are out there and some and some of them quite sort of hurtful and sort of harsh depictions of him in these in these paintings as well but but we don't get to know that. And that could be easily mm. done in a film by having, if you were allowed to view the paintings, or even if you weren't, if you just had the shot being your art house film, have a scene where the camera is back away from the room and you see the back of a painting as people look at, look at it from yeah, the other side. Yeah, you just have people talk about it. Talk about the painting. And you can see George's reaction to their reactions mm. to this piece of art that, wanker is created about george yeah yeah and yeah because because george is i mean i'm i'm not actually sure what degree this would have been a feature of his experience but as someone who's like crime adjacent in the east end of london yeah. at the start of this should like if you're gay in the 60s in london as, as part of a lower class milieu uh-huh that sh- should be difficult. To, it should be yeah. to work around. And that's that's a that's a story aspect that could have come in. And what kind of looks like it ends up being the wholesale loss of whatever social connections he had previously to be adopted into this world of just absolutely horrible people, as far as we can yeah. tell, and also a disgusting world as well. Like nowhere he goes is clean mm, or depicted yeah. as being yeah, any way better than where he came yeah. from. It's just yeah. All of that should be feeding his sort of growing despair and anxiety. Mm. But what he is actually upset about is almost is virtually never made clear. No. Apart from when he's obviously when Francis Bacon is obviously just viciously cruel to him. Uh but that we don't see him sort of vacillate about whether he should leave him or not, even in response to that. He's no. because he's He's not just upset because he's in this abusive relationship. He's also sort of developing mild OCD and nightmares, which sort of link hints on a much sort of broader um, trouble. architecture of trouble inside his mind outside oh. of and prior to Francis Bacon, which I think Daniel Craig is performing, but yeah. doesn't get to be expressed very much. So yet yeah, Francis Bacon and all his mates are all absolute dickheads. And that's a, a, a bit of a problem. Yeah. So they all hang out. Tilda in this Swinton place. is one of them, but we don't get to know which one because yeah. it's never well, made clear. Well, she plays Muriel Belcher, <laughs> who was a real person. And so this is the colony room 
which was this bar in Soho in London, which was a very famous uh, sort of dingy bar, essentially. They just became very well known for the types of the cultural types that would hang out there. And I think it's closed down now, but it was there for about 50 years. And it had those very sort of nauseatingly green walls and things like that. Yeah. And there was nothing, and it was would not feel comfy being there, but mm. you go there to talk to other people who also don't feel comfy being there, but they've got to put on that facade that, oh, this is where we need to be. Uh, yeah, and I think there's lots of, yeah, the sort of Soho sub-literate art subculture world uh, hung, hung out there. And I was watching a little... There's a little documentary just about the room, and they don't attribute the quote, but there's a quote that comes up and someone's saying, the colony became a kind of anti-cheers, where everybody knew your name, but still called you a cunt. Jesus. <laughs> so their, their thing was, like, the bit that they all were doing is to be as mean to each other as possible. That's so which, not fun. Well, I can imagine how that could be fun if you're all in it, but... <laughs> When you don't know about the colony room, these Coming all just seem like deeply, time, um, deeply horrible people. Like there's that one scene in this film where what's her face brings a friend, a new, a new person who started painting, and yeah. is clearly very inspired by Francis Bacon, who then treats him like a dick. Mm. Yeah, straight away. So Francis, so Francis Bacon, he's a, he's horrible to people in the context of the colony room. You could write that off as, well, that's just how this group of friends choose to hang out. And, you know, I can get that to a to a degree. But, and Francis Bacon is a very, from all, from all accounts, seems like a pretty complex chap who did do some pretty heartless things, yep. but did also do some very heartful things. And it's not a problem to depict a character doing and saying harsh things that they may have done and said. But if he's just harsh that way, the whole time then it just it just becomes like, really horrible to watch yeah it, it seems like seems, that's all this current it's it becomes two-dimensional yeah and that he is just a wanker continuously yeah and but he, he doesn't have to be and he and george develop a relationship but there's virtually no tenderness displayed between them there's at, not at one scene of them getting close it's just the approach to rough sex and then the aftermath of rough sex where they kind of hold each other and don't look at each other. Yeah, they depict some of the sort of sadomasochism, which... And see, this would be an interesting aspect of it as well. So I was watching a few in- interviews about it and I think it was Francis Bacon's biographer saying that he was very much into... What is it? If, if you like being hurt, which one is that one? Is that sadistic or masochistic? masochistic he is very masochistic and part of his initial attraction to george dyer was here's this sort of rough east end guy who he thought would play the other role in that relationship very well but over time it became clear that george dyer really wasn't into that and he's just a big sweetie and so that was a big problem in their relationship that he wouldn't beat the shit out of francis bacon whenever he wanted him to and but I didn't get that watching the film. Not at all. I but got that that's... George didn't want to be a part of it from like one or two scenes. Well, but I, I, I get it... the sense that he was in the film. He's just participating willingly, willingly, and him him 
Francis wanting him to do that isn't the problem in their relationship. Francis just seems to be... Francis is horrible to him for no reason, as far as we can tell. Hmm. He's just like... It just seems... He it just, comes across as a horrible person. He just viciously ridicules him for his class and for having any oh, mental health issues at all. The bit where he takes him for the first time to the pub and he dresses him up in a suit and tie and makes him look nice... Everyone else looks like a piece of shit when they get there. Daniel Craig is the only person who's dressed nice. The fuck? Yeah. That's literally just showing him off like a and like a poodle. It's actually at the point where I don't understand why they've done it so extremely. Because when he's talking about the film at one point, John Mabry points out there's just a shot of them like towards the end of the film and they're just spooning mm. in bed and John Mabry says, oh, it breaks my heart, that shot. You know, I don't think Bacon was as bad as I make him out in this film. Why do And that it? blew my mind when he said that. And if he, wa- The only reason to depict your main character being this bad is it- if there's no way around it, that's just who <laughs> he was. If he is this more complex person who had warm friendships and, you know wasn't and weaknesses and yeah also even if you're going to have him say these horrible things show us why he's saying them yeah if because if this is is this aggression if this if this is just aggression towards george dyer then that's coming from a place of fear what is he afraid of and how does he process that rage and fear through his arm when you show a bully in anything you show the father that beats them at home yeah, you have, yeah, you that's your that's your basic. For, you give them a factory, reason for being what, the way they are. That's your factory settings of this kind of story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and or you at least have one conversation as to why. And there is voiceover through mm. parts of the film where you could do yeah. a little bit of exposition to explain why your character is mm. being the way that they are. Yeah, or give Dan, give George Dyer some flaws other than you know, just anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. <laughs> like, at least show him doing something. You're like, yeah, I can see how that could be kind of annoying. Because he never does anything that would make that would put you off him at all. He's no. just a real sweetie who's just being hurt. He's just a puppy dog getting kicked this entire movie. Yes. And... I didn't like watching that. No. At all. Yeah, and the scene where he's just making fun of him for being suicidal... And basically saying, why don't you just go kill yourself then? Who cares? Just at lunch with all of his, like, and just the power of the situation. It's all these, like, wealthy, you know, educated, you know, people, upper class people. And he's, you can call them people. And he's brought this, you know, this, this man into his circle just to abuse him for however long with, in the, as far in terms of the text of this film with absolute disregard for his safety or well-being up to the point where he seemingly at least dies either by suicide or self-neglect. Yeah. I don't know what we're meant to take from it. Well, I think what we're meant to take is that Francis Bacon is a dickhead, whereas it's quite possible he wasn't. Yeah, and but if he is just a dickhead, you know, why do we care about him? No, we don't. You know? I mean, because, but even you could even do something. What if he is just a dickhead? Okay, fine. There's no way around it. There's no hidden depths. Well, He's then an absolute you would have asshole. your film based on George's character and how George falls. You can base the base the film on George's character and use George's character. Observe the fact that 
what because then what's still interesting about Francis Bacon is he's one of the best painters of the century. Yeah. He's still a very good artist. So how does this amazing art come out of this horrible person? Yeah. So that's the question of the film. But I don't think don't... this film has a question. No, I'm I'm just saying these are the questions that yeah. it could have that it has access to in terms of its subject matter. But I think the opening shot of him walking into an empty apartment that's clearly on a soundstage somewhere that they've just built without a roof so he can do the camera pan upwards and just leave a couple of times. They've clearly mm-hmm. just built some rooms, which I like that effort put in. But that's what you do for a film clip anyway, for a song. But the opening shot where he comes in and smells the pillow. Mm-hmm. Creepy. But when you find out why towards the end, that's the only thing I can give a redeeming quality as to story is that the first time you see Francis Bacon, he comes home somewhat sad, smells yeah, but, the pillow of George. Yeah, but still in that scene, blank. Yeah, no expressions. It's just he comes in, sits on the bed mm. and sniffs a guy's pillow. And if you say at the end, oh, by the way, he was really sad after George Dyer was dead. I'd say why? Yeah. Because... Nothing leading up to that point indicates he would have given a shit. (laughs) To the point where I don't understand why he kept him around. Yeah. By the end of it, when he's taking him to the exhibition, why are you taking this guy? He comes across as the villain. You haven't gotten anything out of this relationship, as far as we can tell, for years. (laughs) So why are you keeping... Why are you forcing George Dyer to persist in this relationship? Um, Yeah. Malcolm McDowell was the first choice for Francis Bacon. Where do I know Malcolm McDowell from? My Friends in the North. Clockwork Orange. Ah. Ah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Derek Jacoby looks much more like the actual guy. Um, but apparently he pulled out sort of just just before... Maybury and the producers, they'd seen Daniel Craig and Malcolm McDowell in Our Friends in the North, and so they both sort of got cast from that. Further proof that that was his breakout role, because <laughs> he wouldn't have got this without it. And um, I think Daniel Craig is very well cast in this. I think Daniel Craig is fantastic. And they sort of make the point that he has this sort of haunt, he can have this haunted look that, and they thought he could play what is ultimately quite a sort of passive character quite well. And Whilst he can be passive in, he might have been passive in the relationship, he can't be passive in the way he's depicted in the narrative for us, you know. Okay. That's, part of, that's part of the problem there, yeah. I think. Um, I think this story yeah. tries to, the, this film tries to tell a line between telling one story and the other story, but doesn't tell either. What are the two stories? George's side or... Francis's side. Yeah, true, actually. I think so it, the fact that it's not clear who the main character is, is a problem. Yeah. We are introduced to it from Francis Bacon's perspective when Daniel Craig falls through his roof or whatever. But then because we're, the fact that we're seeing uh, George Dyer's nightmares, we're sort of outside with him when Francis Bacon won't let him in and he's inside with the rent boy. All the conversations that Francis Bacon has with randoms while they're being douches are about George. Yeah. Yeah. But also the t- the subtitle, A Study for a Portrait by Francis Bacon. That's not what the film's about. If it was a study for a portrait, no. you would do the relationship. 
you would do George. Well, if it's a if it's if it's a study for a portrait of Francis Bacon, it shouldn't be so much about George Dyer. Because <laughs> no. the other thing is, if the whole because you know Francis Bacon had a long life and he had multiple other relationships and partners. Yeah. So if the whole movie is just about this one relationship, then it's about both of them. If you told if you made it more of a biopic and told more of Francis Bacon's life, then you could then it would be clearer who who the person is we're we're following. Seeing posters for the film, like the DVD cover, this, any poster, it looks like another Daniel Craig spy movie. It's just movie. a big old picture of Daniel Craig in a sort of noir style. Yeah, it just looks like it could be another Daniel Craig police drama, murder mystery, whodunit. Yeah, well, I think... That- the title, Love is the Devil, also fits. What we are encountering is a... Yeah, it does sound like a... The Ice House, Kiss and Tell, Love is the Devil. All Daniel Craig. Grizzled cop Daniel Craig. Grizzled, broken down marriage cop Daniel Craig. (laughs) Struggling with alcoholism. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well, I think with a lot of these properties that we are revisiting, we are encountering the the remarketing of the back catalogue that occurred after 2006, (laughs) where they went, right, what have we got that has Daniel Craig in it? Put a big photo of him on the cover, pop him on the website again, make it clear that he's naked in it a lot, (laughs) make it clear that if you buy this, you get to see Daniel Craig's dick. This is another fully naked Daniel Craig. This is a, yeah, so plenty of naked Craig in this. Um, Yeah, it is is funny how, how prominent he is in it. And either one of them could have been, could have been, could could be enough for it. Yeah, um, I think with two extra scenes either way, if there were two more Daniel Craig scenes talking to his mates or having a having a trouble on his own, or two more Francis Bacon scenes, maybe being a nicer person to somebody somewhere, mm. that would tell you who the actual main main character of your film is. Yeah, because Francis Bacon had good friends that talk about their good friendship with him. Uh huh. And I don't know. It's such a damning portrayal. I know. Just um, the, that quote of "he's probably a better person than I'm making him out to be." That yeah, sucks. Isn't that interesting? And but does that mean that all film villains are probably better people than we make them out to be in films? Oh, but but you know no because what's confusing about this film is I feel like the film thinks. I don't think the film realizes how bad it's making Francis Bacon look. Yeah. I think the film thinks it's just depicting all oh, just this very sort of charismatic, talented, interesting guy who hung out it... with all these famous people and he's just the powerful one in this relationship. And that's just kind of the way it goes. But and, it... you know, you don't, you know, geniuses live by, di- that's what it feels like. Like geniuses live by different rules to other people. And wow, what would it have been like to have been around around him but when but, you see something like infamous happen toby mm. jones plays capote who is a flamboyant talented writer yeah. who lives by different rules yeah. you do not hate him at the end of the film who ga- who engages in a very uh, one-sided a, relationship a very one- with well, her who engages in a sexual relationship with daniel craig from whom he is a different class and social status uh-huh so very similar. But you don't hate him at the end of the film. No. And he, does, he does some terrible things. He manipulates a few people. Yeah. He's, he's really annoying at certain parts. Uh-huh. But, but he 
you get to see why he does that, and you get to see that he is a talented person because he writes a book. Whereas in yeah. this, you just see him be a dickhead. You don't get to see any paintings. No, but it's, it's, it's okay not seeing the paintings, but you don't see anyone benefit from his paintings either. No. That might be what we're missing as well, is yeah. some sense of the impact his art is having in the broader world. Yeah. You know, yeah, because yeah, with Truman Capote, Toby Jones, yeah, you get a sense of his talent, you see his vulnerability, you see his complexity, and you see him, you see his, the sort of, defense mechanisms he's built up in the form of this outsized personality yeah start to break down in the face of this experience he's having so from his disempowered position daniel craig is able to influence him and it's a back and forth within the relationship you know it's just and that's sort of what we're missing here it's completely one directional and sort of heartbreaking to watch yeah and it has that little has that aspect in it this film of where I feel like it's it's always sort of trying too hard to shock me, you know. I I, Especially I, I with, feel where you're coming from with yeah. discussions of the more sort of extreme forms of like group sex and things he's done and sadomasochism. Where do you ever meet meet people like that who like overshare about themselves in a very sort of ostentatious way? Because that's kind of their thing. And you know they're just sort of trying to get a reaction out of you. And it's just the most insufferable thing to be around. I know the kind of person you're talking about, but no, I don't really get to meet these people very Well, often. I don't meet them very often, and I avoid it whenever possible. But I think Francis Bacon, the character, does a bit of that in this film. But I think the film itself does it to a yeah. certain degree. I feel it's... For example, the- like with, that, with the scene with all the gross seafood... And he's and he's describing he's sort of sort of describing the top of his voice a very explicit sort of sexual encounter he had in Germany I think the characters in the background turn around and judge them too yeah like there's a well, table and she's just like you would I mean it's a restaurant yeah try and have lunch exactly and these let's, people are yelling let's just talk about the news or sort of the weather for a little bit um but yeah again if that's how he behaved whatever that could be fine but what are we meant to take from it. Nothing, nothing, nothing flows from anything else. No. Narrative. And the scene doesn't spend enough time with George to make it, okay, this story is affecting George. Yeah, what comes from that? Nothing. And and it hints at different different things about Bacon's character, about the other, I think the other thing that's, the other challenge they have in, de- in depicting him here is there seems to be a pretty critical sort of disjuncture. Is that a word? Between it is now. the disjointedness. Yeah. Between the sort of <laughs> no, I tone. Think that's the word. <laughs> There's a disconnection between <laughs> the tone and style of his paintings, which are sort of which seem to be confronting sort of horror and dis and discomfort and the harsh. the harsh bleakness of life yeah and here what seems to have been his overall personality which is more sort of 
effervescent and light. And he says in the movie once that people think I'm all about horror, but I'm actually a very optimistic person. But and he that's says a, that. That's a, that's a tension between these two things. But rather than sort of engaging in that tension, we just see this sort of airy, like his energies seems all sort of head and shoulders mm. and he's just sort of floating around being cruel to people and partly because we never get to see the art itself like that's why my interest in the film grew radically when i could see the art and i thought oh this is all going on underneath the text of this film but if you don't know that's there it it's all its flaws are magnified and it feels much more thin like it's got a bit more depth when you think when you know sort of what it's when you have some basic knowledge as i think i do now of what it's commenting on in terms of the art yeah but i think it hasn't it doesn't hasn't picked up on where each of those tensions are and he's just like getting he's just massively erect and whenever he sees violence or horrible things happening the whole time oh it's just uncomfortable and that would be like you see, like like he's watching the video and there's a pram falling downstairs or something, and it mm. just looks like he's just jizzing. jizzing. Yeah. yeah, and and his friend with him is like, "Come down, like, dude! Trying to watch this movie, right? We are out. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, not saying you shouldn't have that in the movie, but that would be much more interesting if we see him be more normal or kind, or if we see other sides to him. Yeah." When it's just that side to him for 87 minutes, you just kind of feel like you're looking at a zoo animal or something. You know, he's like you're walking through the reptile room. And, Fuck, look at that. Walk to the next cage. Oh, yeah, look at that one. Yeah. Next one. Ha, oh, that one's eating a shoe. Next one. It's like, I don't really have much else to say about it. The film ends with Francis Bacon talking to another friend. And he's like, yep. George is still coming to this art show I have. I'm being shown at this awesome gallery in Paris. And these are all the paintings are of George, so he's obviously coming. And and at this point, George is clearly not a good way. And no. George is worried about coming. He doesn't want to come. Yeah, which should be more explicitly the culmination of his increasing neuroses about the fact that he is in this exhibition yes and is being perceived in a way that he can't understand from his cultural intellectual vantage point yeah and you would worry about being there if these were the paintings that they're being shown of you Mm. these strange harsh paintings Mm. of you naked on a chair sitting somewhere else we need to see at some point in this film what george gets out of being in this social context yeah. apart from being in a relationship with bacon like see him enjoy it just see him get something from it at least at the start yeah just that classic you know in, initially fish out of water but it's almost like a coming of age thing where he was unhappy in his old life and then he kind of finds his people because his sexuality is accepted and things like that mm. relationship deteriorates is no longer comfortable here and then see him try to go back but is now can now no longer reassimilate with his old East End he's mates shut out by his because friends. he's now no longer part of their group and they're being horrible towards him as well. Yeah. So then he's stuck with nowhere to go. That's why he's still with Bacon because he feels like he's got nowhere else to go now and he's got no other contacts. That's a story. Boom, story. Yeah. 
and with and you don't need to take away all of the sort of art artsy house. art house that's better yeah <laughs> all the art house elements of this that they want to do <laughs> but just you know it does you don't have to remove any of the artsy ambiguity no by just making a little bit clearer what the characters motivations are yeah you to can, be where they are you and can doing have what they're doing. exposition in a film mm. that will allow your audience to follow a story that you're telling because a film is a story you got to tell a story you can't just show shit for a while and then have somebody fucking die yeah he goes with him to new york and he's on the i think this is the this is probably the cardinal yeah. example is oh, that when actually, he's on the roof another thing about that yeah and he's and he's you know suicidal george is standing on the roof the hotel staff are trying to get him are trying to get him back off the roof fade to black we don't see him get off the roof we don't see Francis's response, so they don't have a conversation. Just we just see the guy come to Francis and say, "Ah, uh, want me to give him a push," and then he's like, "No, we'd yeah, like him to talk Francis- him down," and they leave, and you don't get to see the scene. No, and then it's just the hotel staff. He's looking down. It's all scary. Fade to black. There's so many fades to black. Yeah. There was something else we've watched for this that it just fades to black all the time. Probably Saint X. Saint X definitely, but that's that's on a whole other level. Saint X. There's something that faded to black a lot. Anyway, I'm not going to get it. Um, it might have been one of the... Um, what was the first TV murder mystery? Chronologically? No, the one we watched recently. The Ice House? No. Kiss and Tell? Kiss and Tell. Kiss and Tell faded to black a few times, but that was a TV show where you need yeah. to fade to black for adverts. Yeah, maybe. Um, what I... Another thing that was I found very strange about it and gave away so much that so much of it would have been filmed on a soundstage somewhere was the hotel room was just a room that they built for a hotel room with shitty projections outside. And the roof was just something that they built to have a guy sit behind and Daniel Craig stand on the top of and they filmed from below and just a black yeah. screen above them. I th- I th- it's think, so cheap. I think the rooftop might be a real rooftop. It's not New York. <laughs> no, they did not go to New York. Or maybe they've... the shot down is from a rooftop or something. But because, well, some of the things they're shooting are on sound stages very intentionally because they're yeah. creating these weird spaces. Yes. But I if think... you're filming an actual location, don't go to the location, but go to a location. Yeah. You know, I think it's... And if it's a it's a film about a painter and it's about art, or it should be more about art. So I think they could have done more with color. Yep, I think because a, a lot of it feels it's, quite it's, muddy. It's very yuck. And I can understand the word how. Yuck. I think that's yuck. part of what the colony room was. It is a kind of sort of grim, grimy, and sour green but the place. It's not about. I but if you're you know you're making an art house movie, shine that up a bit and. Just give green something to symbolize. And then because you're progressing towards the red of the hotel room, which is the red of those final paintings of the yeah. of the of the death. Uh, and because that's the red. And if you're going to call it love is the devil's the color. of So, you know, have have pro- 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 progress through those colors from one to the other as this relationship gets worse, because how quickly does it go bad? Um, immediately because Im- immediately it goes falls bad. out of sky taylor 
They go to the pub. Um, they go to the boxing match. He jizzes again when blood splashes on his face. Um, and he sees the the um, they, unconscious boxer as Daniel Craig. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's the scene of them getting home, sort of getting slowly undressed with the 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 sound design of the clinks of the cufflinks and everything, sort of really exaggerated. Yeah. Then it's seafood lunch. Then. Which is different to normal. They make fun of him for being suicidal, and then shortly after that, that's when he started scrubbing his hands, and so which is sort of taking as the start of his deterioration. And then, yeah, and then they never really come back together after that. We don't see them fall out. That's the problem. Yeah, there's no fight. They've just no suddenly fights. estranged, and they're like, oh, are they? Okay. It's so uncomfortable. And so when we arrive at the final hotel scene. Which I like the design of in and of itself with the, with the sort of crimson room. I don't um, think he was in a hotel at the when he with the with the red red bathroom red toilet. Yeah, because they were in Paris. No, he doesn't exhibition. go. I don't think he goes. Yeah, because he no, no, they he went to um, they they went over to Paris for the exhibition. Oh, and he stayed in the hotel room. Yeah, and there's the other fucked up bit about it. They. He died two days before the exhibition. Bacon and his, like, I don't know, agent or someone in charge of the exhibition, they find him and they didn't tell anyone. Oh, fuck. Probably because they thought it might fuck with the exhibition. So the body was only... So they just hid the body, like left it where it was. And then the police were told, like, the day of the exhibition, like, two days later, when it was all going ahead. That's disgusting. And that's when everyone else found out about it. That's disgusting. So, pretty, so that's, so that's pretty abhorrent. But the, but also, by all accounts, Frank Bacon was very, like, visibly distressed and struggling and not being cruel and flippant about it as he is in this film. Yeah. Which is like the final nail in the coffin of his absolutely reprehensibility. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) I do. I think that is the word, yeah. Reprehensibility. Got it. Bam. (laughs) We're so good at words. It's very like, yeah. Oh, we should do films. So good at words. Um, That is, again, entirely unnecessary. The moment when you definitely... Even if he's been one note this whole time, George is dead now. Yeah. And the last things you ever said to him were still horrible and shitty. Mm. Let him take stock even now. In terms of the film, it shows that the death by overdose slash possible suicide or just misuse takes place at the same time as his art. Like you don't, it's, it doesn't explicitly state that they're in the same place or that it's happening. And that's, that makes it so much worse. Yeah. Two day. Oh Jesus! I hate him now. And it happened once again, either before or after his long, a long time partner of his died, like two days before one of his massive. No, it happened before. So some people wondered whether George had done it on purpose Ooh. to fuck with his exhibition again, to just like get back at him in some way. I mean, who knows? Who does know? He's dead. Um, we can't find out. And all great performances from Daniel Craig, with the lines that he has. It's it might this might be the most. 
No, obviously it's our friends in the north. This is the, sec- the second most pitiful we've seen Daniel Craig. I think in this scene where he's just like, his knee is going. And yeah. he's saying, again, referring to things that we have never seen happen in the film, how he's, I'm always on my, I'm always like watching myself to make sure I'm behaving appropriately. I'm trying really hard. Mm. He says, I things that, yeah. Like he's, he's really good in. Yeah. And he says, I, he says, I, I love you to Bacon. And he, just ask, he says, where do you get your slogans from? Off the telly. Oh, Which is just... <laughs> dickhead. Just do Unbelievable. And I presume John Mabry just made all this up. <laughs> like, it's not a matter of historical record what was said between them in the hotel no, it's room. it's a study for a portrait of. It's a study for a portrait of. Yeah, yeah study for a horrifying portrait. <laughs> you know. So it's kind of we do it's we kind do of, have maybe John Mabry sees it as payback because all of Francis Bacon's portraits of people are horrifying. <laughs> so this is a horrifying portrait of Francis Bacon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this film should be called Francis Bacon is the Devil. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So we and then, so I guess we've got a bit of what our a repeat of what our concerns were with Infamous, where they're making up scenes between real people that existed that are very sort of significant in terms of you know the things that are done in them and it's just a little bit weird to create those out of whole cloth if you don't have anything to yeah base it off if you're not doing like an entirely entirely fictional story to make Mm. stuff up and put it in just seems weird if you're attempting to tell a true if you explicitly state that this is a true story about Mm. a person this is actually what happened you don't make stuff up you, 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 yeah. you know? and i understand you know it's an interpretation it's an art house depiction but to be so, a depiction so strong in one direction it's just is it's, it's pretty unusual i think a strength of the film is the None. shot composition <laughs> there's lots of well sort of framed shots i think the where the like in the bathroom and he's in the bath and the way the the lighting works, the hotel room. I think things like that look uh, look good. There's lots of triptychs. So lots of his paintings are three in a row. And like Bacon's mirror is in three. Mm. The TV in the hotel room is in three. So little things like that I like. And the, they do. And he does frame some of them where like Daniel Craig is in positions and it's mimicking certain other famous paintings, yeah. which, you know, I'm, I can be a I can be a nerd for that kind of thing. That's not that thing, I picked though, it up when I watched it the first time. Just comes across as these are definitely from a music video film, music video director point of view. Like yeah, these, kind of looking these at, are awesome things that people do in music videos all the time. It's looking at the wrong end of things. Yeah, yeah. you've gone. Oh, this would look really cool. This would look really cool. This would look really cool. We don't. It doesn't feel as though a story has ever really been thought or mm. cared about to tell a story it's just you, this is the story yeah it's not what is the story i'm telling yeah what's what's the 90 minute story this shot feel and what i'm trying to tell yeah in, the, just, in the context of this 90 minutes that yeah. people have to sit through in a, in a way other than yeah as a sort of meandering piece of art yeah. um yeah i think i think some people describe bacon as sort of a jekyll and hyde type character but I think we've just got all hide. Yeah, we've got all deck. And if we had some, if we had some more Jekyll in there, then <laughs> that would um, make it a more interesting journey for us as a 
viewer. And I think apparently also some people argue that the that George's death was a kind of turning point in his art towards a sort of uh, uh, even bleaker and darker type of painting. Well, we so could have shown that maybe. Could have shown that because that would justify everything that happened before it still. You yeah. know, like he, that people have some sort of comeuppance for their flaws or at least respond in some way to the consequences of their flaws, even if they never ultimately confront them. Um, One quote I did like was the champagne for my real real friends and real pain for my champ friends. Yeah, good line. I think that's from something else. It was like an old like Edwardian Victorian saying or something. One of the only lines I liked. Yeah, yeah. I think with all the visions and nightmares and stuff, going off his paintings and thinking about how it linked to people have linked it to Alien and things like that, I would introduce more of like a cosmic horror element to the design of the of the visions and stuff rather than have them just be like a pretty much one-to-one recreation of what the paintings are in a, in a lot of ways mm. i think have them be more this sort of writhing you know so it's 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 like a a horror at the like the threat of you know like transformation and disintegration rather than just death and annihilation something like that yeah my it's, this is i mean this is just where my brain is at the moment my feedback for everything is put more lovecraft in it so make it this but more lovecraft yeah more color from outer space less of the racism more of the creativity from lovecraft yes yeah very much so have you watched any of lovecraft country yet no i've read the books Book. Lovecraft Country. Yeah, it's a book. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this says a series is on Foxtel. I think it might be. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it yet. But I'm very keen. Very keen. Yeah, it's a good book. It tell it's this it's the story of one guy and his family, but it tells like five stories, just mm-hmm. and they're all framed as little short stories that like form one okay one 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 path that then mm-hmm. comes back to. Yeah. The main characters at the end. Okay. But keen for that, so keen for the show. Yeah. Sounds like just the kind of moody, interpretive shit that I can get into. Do you want to rank this? Yeah, Love is the Devil. I think we're done. Yeah, I think so. You know what you should do? What's that? Start at the bottom. I'm going to start at the bottom? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. See what I've been doing. Scrapbooking. Books and painting. Through in a little bit of this, so it's Francis Bacon. It's a lot of his art, yeah. and talking about potential influences on it of different authors like Joseph Conrad and T. S. Eliot and stuff. You cool. put you put Joseph Conrad and T. S. Eliot in something. I'm going to read it. <laughs> so yeah, and I like he did he did loads and loads of paintings of uh, popes, and they're called the, the Screaming Popes, and they're very unsettling. And he, so he's doing sort of. Uh, re-envisionings of these of this old like 16th or 17th century painting of a certain pope but they're in different states of contortion and some of them they're in uh their throne is an electric chair and things like that jesus yeah they're cool paintings i just hope he wasn't an absolute cunt as this would imply so there's no one returning to the daniel craig filmography here is there uh yes no, no, he's just in Hot Fuzz. No, we've never had Tilda. I keep thinking, everything, everyone who's in Hot Fuzz, I just assumed Daniel Craig knows them. 
I guess the director is the only is the only crossover. Yeah. Okay, so let's rank it as as the Craig Keystools on the Patreon probably know. We don't rank these things individual uh, out of ten or something individually. We're creating an overall ranking of all Daniel Craig's film and TV shows from best to worst. This will be number forty-one. I reckon it's number forty in the list. Okay, so this might need to be a discussion. We can discuss it as much as you want. Okay, is it better than so? At the bottom, is this better than Saint X? I think it's better than Saint X. Is this better than Tales from the Crypt? Come on now. Okay, it's better than Tales from the Crypt. Is this better than Obsession? I really want to say no. <laughs> I think the performances are definitely better. Okay, what's what's above Obsession? Love and Rage. Yeah, this is better than Love and Rage. Okay, interestingly, that was easier for you. Love and Rage is all. Uh, Love and Rage is mental. This isn't insane. You know, this on is on one point of view, it's fucking insane. This, this is kind of dickhead. Yeah, but it, but that just makes it kind of narratively flat. It's not. You're not. It's not off the wall. <laughs> you know, like it's. It's not that the characters are behaving the way humans can behave. <laughs> we can say that much for it. We don't know exactly why, but that's because they haven't told us. It's not because, like, I guess. Um, a kid in King Arthur's Court. I also want to say no, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, again, I'll put it above that because a kid in King Arthur's Court is just an entirely shallow enterprise, <laughs> desperately trying to crank out some content, I would say. Um, I Dreamed of Africa. It's hard because I also dislike a lot of these so much. Mm. And this is obviously much better Craig than I Dreamed of Africa. This is, we get more a Craig. Very strong. And, you know, he put, and he, and he puts a lot of depth and complexity into his performance, despite all the yep. narrative But flaws. I Dream of Africa also tells a story. It does. Poorly. But, yeah, we didn't really like that story. We did not like that story. Okay, fine. It's better than that. Paris 24, colon, Renaissance. Mm. What do you reckon? So it gets interesting because above this is its uh, its closest relative, I would say, with Hotel Splendide. Yeah, I was worried we'd get close to that. I don't think this is better than Hotel Splendide at all. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. Because Hotel Splendide also does the thing of making you feel uncomfortable while watching it. But it has a coherent story. It does have a coherent story and there are likable characters and it's okay. Yeah. But do you think this is better than Paris 2045, 2054, or whatever it is? No, I don't think it no. is. But, I mean, zooming out, is it better than Kiss and Tell? No. Because that's bonkers. At least Kiss and Tell had a mystery to it. Yeah. And, like, Kiss and Tell had characters that weren't dickheads for the entire time. Like, there was a question as to whether... The police were correct for yeah. some of that. But film. the strengths of the performances of this, I think, have to should, like put it above. Like, it's better act in terms of acting. Yeah, we're not... It's better acting than let's okay. Just out of it, just out of interest <laughs> on acting alone. Okay, stop me when you think we should stop. Lara Croft. Yep, stop. I kicked. Genghis Khan. Kiss and Tell. Dreamhouse. I'd stop at Dreamhouse. So there's better acting in Daredevils of the Desert? Yep. Why do we put that above Dreamhouse? Have to listen back to the episode to find Jesus. out. I, I recall... We are so weird. <laughs> well, it's going to get crazier the longer the list gets. I know. But no, I want, I, put, I want to punish this film. Okay, but... 
You didn't like it either. It got official selection at the Festival de Cannes. Those people are always dickheads to each other. Do you want to put it higher? No, it's 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 fine. Where would you where well, where where do you reckon it should go? I just think it's got a lot more. Whilst it its execution is overall poor, yeah, <laughs> I think it's got a lot more. Like I think the people this I think this is a better piece of art than Kiss and Tell. That's like I would say that. I would hazard I, to disagree. I'd say it's. A, I think I think Dreamhouse is just is like is like the room basically like it's so weird and janky. But Dreamhouse this House is, is this is a, it falls short, but this is aiming at a higher place than these, you know, ten a ten a penny churn them out who done it. Ah, you know, so and it deserves credit for that. I feel as though Dreamhouse is better. So do you do you are you angry at the film or are you angry at the char- horrible character of Francis Bacon? Because we're not ranking that Both. that horrible man. Both the film is yuck. He he does pointless things with his camera work in many parts. He doesn't tell the story that he should tell. He doesn't tell a story. He just gives you bits of shit that may or may not have happened. Okay, this is a. We are we are in a we are in a dialogue here. We are in a dialectic. <laughs> this is a Hegelian dialectic, and so between do you feel as my though? thesis and your antithesis, we are going to reach <laughs> a synthesis of putting this thirty fifth. Okay, what is thirty fourth? Paris twenty fifty four. Okay, because I think that does have good art themes, character development, a story that happens. Yeah, it's about something. It is. I do agree. You know, like for the time, cutting edge, technical aspects. And some parts of that are still very technically very, very good. Yeah. The car chase, I'm never going to forget. Love is the devil, colon, a study <laughs> for a painting of a poem of an artist of a Craig. Who liked bacon. Of a bacon and eggs. Film. 35th. Okay, we did it. We did. Interesting. Contention. Contentious. The list is getting real long. It's getting real long, but it's getting close to the end. Seven weeks to go. 12 episodes to go. We are going to be in a cinema. Looking at his face. Watching a new James. It's going to be so weird seeing him that big. I guess I've seen the trailer in cinemas. It's possible we'll see his face, or we'll, we'll, because the movies have been shown. Star Wars: Return of the Jedi was this weekend. Is Force Awakens next weekend? That's a good question. You don't see his face. I know, but <laughs> we hear he's his, in it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, still, still counts. <laughs> Cinema should let you make requests, <laughs> like bring knives out back. I mean, if you know somebody, you could just put a DVD on at the cinema. Yeah, I'm not saying that's been done before. Okay. But it's been but it's been, okay. All right. Okay. Life hack. Have a friend who works at the cinema. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be back very soon with our next Patreon episode, which will be on 
Okay. So the next one is our, our, our trilogy. It's a collation. A collation of the episode of the TV show Shockers, the short movie, the organ... Monkey's Organ Grinders, organ grinders Monkey, whatever. The Organ Grinders Monkey. The Monkey Grinders Organ. The Monkey Grinders Organ, the Grinders Organ Monkey, one of those. Uh, which has like six, which has like Kevin Spacey and Reef's fans and a bunch of other famous people in it. It's 10 minutes long. And we'll have a very hard-hitting critical discussion of the documentary One Life <laughs> and analyse in very close detail the, uh, the nuances of Daniel Craig's narration. Which we could listen to for days. Yeah. I, I go to sleep to it every night. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>